MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Welcome to the Lombardi Line right here on VEASAN presented by BetMGM. I am Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds for the next two hours while Patrick and Michael enjoy a nice day off. Wes, we're going to have a a fun show today. Will Hill is going to join us later on this hour and then we're going to catch up with Rick Doc Walker, an icon in Washington, D.C. to see if this Taylor Heineke Mm -hmm. thing is more than just hype before you lay down your hard-earned money this week against the Buffalo Bills. We'll discuss that later. But Wes, last night, I guess the... um, the rumors of the demise of 12 in Green Bay have been slightly exaggerated after what we saw last night against the Detroit Lions. I hope you catch that ticket. I did. I laid the 11 and a half, and I took the over, so I feel pretty good today about cashing those tickets. What would you make of, of Rodgers last night? Because in the first half, things got a little dicey. Detroit lit outright, so if you had Detroit first half, you didn't have to sweat that at all, get seven. But I looked at the second half. I said, there's Aaron Rodgers. He's back. Aaron Jones, obviously, with a huge game last night. Should we now say, okay, the the one-week aberration against the Saints is over, we can still trust this Green Bay team? Well, I don't know if we can reach the conclusion. It's like, okay, Green Bay is totally back to what we thought they were going to be. They got a nice win, nice second half, but against obviously one of the lower echelon teams of the league. And it was really kind of one play that really switched that. I don't know if it was, uh, I don't know if it was Brett Favre on the Manning cast bringing (laughs) Green Bay good luck or not, but they're basically, it's 17 to 14. Detroit got that late field goal to take the halftime lead. And then he had that 
50-yarder to Devontae Adams. Just a, a terrific throw. You got to yeah. give him his due on that one. And got Devontae Adams, and it pretty much flipped the field, and that pretty much flipped the momentum of the game. And sometimes it does come down to one play, even though the final score says 35-17. That's what it comes down to. That's what switched the momentum of the game. Uh, look, Green Bay, very good in the second half. Obviously, a dominant performance, outscoring them 21 nothing. But if you look and go inside the numbers, Detroit actually outgained Green Bay and actually had 6.1 yards of play. Green Bay only averaged 5.3. I know Aaron Jones pulled the... Uh, the Al Bundy, the four wow. touchdowns in one game, a salute to Paul Kai, one <laughs> rushing and three receiving. But you look at those rushing numbers for Green Bay as well. 31 carries for 96 yards, just 3.1 yards a carry. So I still don't think the issue is necessarily solved with Green Bay. I think defensively they have to get a lot better because yeah. Detroit was able to move the ball. And, and really, they were moving it better on the ground, and they kind of started abandoning the running game because Peyton Manning was on there screaming, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and they were doing so early. And then it's like, you know, they once they got behind in the second half, they pretty much are like, okay, we got to abandon it, and we got to drop Jared Goff back. So, you know, the two turnovers for Jared Goff, I think, were a big difference in the game, the fumble and also the interception. So, 35-17, Green Bay is your winner. They go to 1-1. One and one. Detroit falls to 1-2. and two. And just kind of flipping this forward, not a lot of an adjustment, I think, for Green Bay next week. Uh, they will be against the 49ers on Sunday night football. Uh, so uh, last time didn't go well for Green Bay when they went out there. We'll see if the next time around is better. Can I get on my soapbox for a minute, Wes? You can. we talked about this on the Green Zone. Hopefully you're watching us on the weekends uh, as we're breaking down every NFL game. And we talked a little bit about this, certainly in the Colts and the Rams game. And there was a point in the game where second half, Green Bay comes right down, takes the lead 21-17. The Lions are answering with a nice drive. They have fourth and one deep in Green Bay territory. Now, I, I get what the new conventional wisdom is, and mm -hmm. that is you have to go for it, right? Monday night, and Harbaugh looks at Lamar Jackson. You want to go for it? Yeah, let's go for it. And now that seems to be the new thing. And I get it because you're saying, well, we're not as good as they are, so we have to go for this to try to win. But, Wes, if you kick that field goal there and make it 21-20, okay, then all of a sudden, it just feels like things tighten up. And what I felt like, and this is, again, you can't, analytics cannot measure momentum. Analytics can't measure a wet football field, right? They can't measure necessarily that they're moving the ball pretty much at will against that Green Bay defense at that time. So they go for it on fourth and one. They run a, what I thought was a terrible play call. And I actually didn't mind them going for it. Mm -hmm. But when you throw a seven-yard out when you need one in man coverage and don't get it, there's going to be a natural momentum shift. And then the Packers, of course, go down right away, make it an 11-point game with the, the next touchdown. And then the fumble by Jared Goff, as you mentioned. And then it's out of reach at 18. And if you took the Lions in a money line, or excuse me, you took the Lions in a teaser, well, what a terrible beat that is getting 17 and a half. But my point is to try to win the game if you're Dan Campbell. Why not take the points there? Why not make that a, a one-point game midway through the third quarter at Lambeau? And if you said before the game, we're only down one that far into the game, we get a shot at winning this thing, not just covering. I can understand your perspective there, and I don't think that it's necessarily wrong, but I don't have a problem with going for it. I think that it was the play call. I think when you're running the ball as they did, because they ran the ball actually very well. We know Detroit not known for their running game right. pretty much for the last oh, uh, decade and a half Since to Barry two Sanders. decades. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, 19 carries, though, for 108 yards is what they finished with, 5.7 yards a carry. I know a lot of that was golf scrambles, but I think if you're going to go for it, 
you know, you got to try to run it. Sometimes it is a little bit of an attitude. I know it's like, oh, God, don't ever run it up the middle. Right. Well, sometimes because that's what Dan Campbell really has done, and that's what he's tried to bring to this team. You saw a lot of what the Lions did in the draft and a little bit in free agency. He's like, we got to get tougher on both sides of the line of scrimmage with our offensive and defensive lines, okay? Well, here's the chance to show that you got a change in culture, and we got some toughness now. Fourth and one on the 25, and, you know, Goff uh, wide left to Quentin Cephas yeah. in that pass in the flat I would have just I would have just ran it there and you know teams don't run the quarterback sneak anymore no. they're so afraid they're going to get stopped it's like you got to challenge your offensive line and say hey let's get a push guys let's continue this because I understand going for it because if you're a Detroit Lions team and you're not expected to win very many games you're a first year head coach a rebuild pretty much with the Lions so it's like okay we've got Green Bay the best team in our division and we're right in the game we're playing to win. We're not just playing to be close. We're trying to change the culture here. So I have no problem going for it, but just the play call by Anthony Lynn and Dan Campbell was brutal. And again, I understand that I am going to be in the minority in this thinking, right? But again, if you want to go back to that Colts and Rams game on Sunday that we were talking about in the moment, right? Where they had a, what? Three shots at the one They run mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor. And he gets stuffed all three times. Well, then why are you going for it on fourth down when you already got stuffed three times in a row and you were chasing those three points the rest of the game? And, oh, by the way, they lost by three. Well, and and you become predictable, too, when you do that. Okay, you tried it once. Okay, shame on you. You tried it twice. Shame on me. We didn't get there. So now on third down, we might have to roll out. And that's what teams I don't think do enough on the goal line. They don't do enough of that bootleg action. Carson Wentz has the athleticism and the running ability to maybe to beat a linebacker to the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. But then they do it on fourth down when the Rams know it's coming. Right. Where it's like, okay. You waited I mean, three downs so, to run your play you wanted to run. You so run one man's critical criticism of decision is another man's, okay, criticism of play call. And I kind of tend to be a little bit in the latter there. And I'm not one of these guys on Twitter. It's like, oh, go for it every single time. Right. You know, I, I think every situation is different. Thank you. And Wes, that's exactly exactly the point, right? If you get tied into a book and the book now says that you have to go for it, right? That's the new way of thinking. Mm-hmm. I get it. But if you're just playing percentages all the time as an NFL coach, you're going to lose Billy Bear, like they said in 48 hours. Yeah, right? absolutely. You need to figure out the momentum of the game. And right there, I thought Detroit lost key momentum of the game. And that led to a blowout scenario where they end up losing by 18. Uh, I, like I look back in Atlanta right on Sunday, they get it all the way down to three. They're down 28-25 in the fourth quarter against Tom Brady, and they get the ball back. They got a chance to tie or take the lead. And then all of a sudden, everything goes haywire for bad teams. I understand that, right? But for Detroit, they could have had a one-point game winding down the third quarter if they kicked that field goal. And, again, if you're going to go for it, you got to get it. Like, you got to get it in that scenario. To your point about running the ball, you saw the yards for average. They're getting getting 3-6, 4-6 with the running backs there, Mm -hmm. right? So – I'm kind of with you in there. I thought it was for the risk that they took, they didn't execute a, 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 a proper play to get that one yard necessary. Well, and every situation is different in that regard because I'm always more prone to say go for it when you're the less talented team. I don't care what level of football it is, whether it's college or the NFL, when you know you're the less talented team or you know your defense is not going to be able to get a stop, I think you absolutely go for it. Now, you go back to Sunday night, what you mentioned briefly about Kansas City Baltimore. Yeah, it was a ballsy decision by right. by, by John Harbaugh there, but It was kind of like the only decision that he could make, though, because it's like if you punt that away, even with the time left, if you give that dude, Patrick Mahomes, the ball back, you're going to lose. But but to your point there is that 
they've got the personnel to get that yard, right, with mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. The Colts tried three times with their horse, Jonathan yeah. Taylor, didn't get it, and then they left points off the board, and they were chasing those points the rest of the game. Detroit, similarly, they felt like they didn't have the hoss to get them a yard in that scenario, down four in the third quarter, and all of a sudden, it turns into a blowout scenario because Green Bay goes right down the field, and I feel like it's a natural deflation. So before we just go, all right, the new way of thinking in 2021 is if my team is worse and we've got fourth and one, we go for it every time. I, I, I think that's kind of fool's gold where you can play it a little bit closer to the vest sometimes and hang in that game a little bit longer and maybe you get the big mistake somewhere along the line. It doesn't have to come from 12, from Rodgers, but maybe you're running back in a, a, a bad field, right? It's, it's nasty out there at Lambeau last night. Maybe you get a turnover that way. And, and hang in this game and pull the upset late. I just feel like you took away a key opportunity to stay in the game, and the momentum was gone. Then if you're a Lions backer, that play is gone. And then if you had a teaser play, that's gone too. Well, everything has to be situation-based because I think sometimes what we do, not only as betters but as fans, we get results-based. Right. It's like, okay, if the result doesn't go your way, then it was the wrong decision. Uh, everything's got to be process and situation-based. I would have just rather seen a, a better play call by Detroit there. And sometimes you got to just kind of you know put, put your foot in the sand, plant your flag in the turf, and yeah. say, okay, we're going to run it right at them. If they stop us, they stop us. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Again, I, in the moment, I didn't mind them going for it, but then when I saw the play call, I said, well, if you're going to run that, I'd rather yeah. have kicked it versus actually trying to play Smash Mouth here and go after him. Uh, Wes, we're going to talk a lot more about Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, going to look ahead to next week against the Niners. It's going to be a very interesting spot for them. We got Will Hill and we got Rick Doc Walker right here in the Lombardi line. Don't go anywhere. It is VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. season is here. It's time to download BetMGM Sports. It's Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing bets from anywhere in the state. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Back here on the Lombardi Line, Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds here talking about the Packers. Big win last night, and you go, all right, it's the Lions. They should get that win. They get it. They cover uh, the 11.5 by winning 35-17. Now, Wes, you look ahead, and for me, if I believe the Pack are indeed back, they go on the road to take on San Francisco. Now, San Francisco has been on that East Coast swing to start off the season, and they get two wins before they return for their home opener. When you look at this here, look, this has been a a house of horrors, if you will, sometimes for Aaron Rodgers and Mm -hmm. company. Go back to that championship game a couple years ago. What do you make of this this line here after what you saw last night with the Packers? Yeah, not a really huge adjustment here because if you look at San Francisco, first game against Detroit dominated, and then I think they were up, what, like 24 with two-plus minutes to go, two onside kicks. It ends up being an (laughs) eight-point game, so hopefully you laid the early number if you're on the Niners. But, you know, certainly an 
incomplete game, certainly a wider margin than the final score indicated, but it was an incomplete effort. You kind of saw that on Sunday where the 49ers, uh, it was 3 nothing, and the Eagles hit that long pass play down the sideline, and then they had first and goal. They come away with absolutely nothing there, mm. and that basically turned the tide of the game because the 49ers were getting their butts kicked at right. Philadelphia pretty much for about a quarter and a half or a quarter and three quarters, so to speak. And then the Niners, about 12 seconds left to go, they drive down the field and they get that score, and then all of a sudden they totally flip the momentum of the game. This is a very good team, but they've had kind of two incomplete games so far when when you look at the 49ers. They got out yarded a little bit by the Eagles. They only had 4.5 yards of play. The stats look good for Jimmy G. He was 22 of 30 for 189 yards, but they couldn't really run the ball. We know Mostert was out for the 49ers. Mm -hmm. So you look and it's like, okay, when are they going to play that complete game? And is it here against the Green Bay Packers, perhaps? Uh, Because they've had two uneven efforts, two covers on the road. But yet I think the market kind of senses what I sense a little bit in terms of yeah, but there were some things not to like. Like, there were some flaws there. Because the look-ahead line, by the way, at Westgate Superbook was three and a half last Wednesday. And that's when a lot of these look-ahead lines get put out for the following week. Then you saw a slide up, took the four. Now to three and a half. So pretty much no change in the market, really, with these two teams. Because I think maybe the market early on is a little bit unsure. Because they're like, okay, are the 49ers sitting on a really good effort here because they played two incomplete games? Or are the Green Bay backers did we maybe put too much weight into that week one performance where they got absolutely annihilated by New Orleans? And and I think it was partially what the Saints did well defensively, but I think a lot of it was Green Bay making mistakes. And that's why you get a 38 to three margin. So Green Bay kind of gets right against a softer opponent last night. So I haven't determined where I'm going to go if I'm going to go anywhere with this game because that looks right on to me right now. I mean, full disclosure, I took Green Bay this summer over 11 uh, for their season win total. And the reason why I played that is because I look at the division, I, I just go, it's terrible, right? Mm-hmm. They could potentially go 6-0 and in their own division. So I got to get five wins just to push everywhere else. This was one of those spots that I looked at uh, pre-flop, if you will, and I thought this is going to be a tough place for them to play. Yeah. Okay. But because they look so bad week one, which I did not anticipate, maybe now they go out there and they feel like, okay, we're back to being the NFC champion representative, right? That They lost to Tampa Bay, obviously, in the championship game a year ago, and the Niners got to the Super Bowl two years ago. This feels like a heavy hitter matchup to me where I think we really gauge who both of these two teams are. You mentioned San Francisco getting those two wins and the backdoor cover for some for Detroit in week one. And then the Niners not impressively covering that number uh, at Philadelphia this week in a game that if things kind of break the other way, mm-hmm. not only do they potentially not cover, they might not win. So they have not played, to your point, a complete football game as of yet. And you look at the recent history. Last year, Green Bay got them 34-17 to in San Francisco. But we know... The Niners had injuries, and obviously it was a COVID season pretty much for, for, for really for every team. Yep. But the Niners were so banged up because we remember that playoff game where the Niners beat them 37-20 to 20 out in San Francisco. And in that same season, 37-8, last time on Sunday Night Football, this was two years ago in November. I think it was like Thanksgiving weekend, and Green Bay loses 37-8. to 8. So one of the things, too, with the Niners, it's like, okay, how good are these guys? Right. Uh, 
they they beat Detroit, who's now an 0-2 team, and they beat Philadelphia, who might be a little bit better, but still have essentially a rookie quarterback. Even though Jalen Hurts got a couple starts late in the season, he is still essentially a rookie quarterback. So it's like, okay, how good is that team? So the 49ers really haven't proven a lot, and Green Bay hasn't proven a lot. So that's why I think that this is such a tough game on Sunday night. This is something I'm going to have to wait and do more due diligence on. And very quickly, when you look at the over-under right now, 48 and a half, and again, I played the over last night figuring Detroit is spunky enough on offense to get you points. They got 17 in the first half, then didn't score again, so that became a little bit uh, a little bit of a dicey scenario, but then the Packers wake up with those three second-half touchdowns. San Francisco, we know they can play defense. Green Bay, I, I, I'm, the jury's still out mm-hmm. uh, what this defense can be, but because it feels like San Francisco hasn't gotten an identity yet offensively and potentially playing two quarterbacks here, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to get the rook in a little bit, figuring out what Jimmy G is. Do you have a lean either way here yet? Because it feels like a, a low posted total. Well, Try to double dog deer you to take and, it over. And to your point, I can tell you what's probably going to get bet and what I'm seeing get bet already is going to be the over in a primetime game. And I guess why not? Six to, six to nothing. I, I kind of tweeted out that old Peyton Manning <laughs> meme on the Manning cast after golf turned the ball over. Manning did the, uh, the surrender Cobra. Yeah. And that was kind of the meme it's like when you bet a primetime game under in the nfl <laughs> hold on you're doing the surrender cobra yeah i'm with you on that let's look at the uh conversely here with the lions because again if you bet them week one you might have had the best comeback cover of all time uh for the lions if you took those points late and i think it was eight and a half at closing books at bet mgm so you might have won that one last night but you felt good at the half there they got the outright lead 17 14 and then again, they, they kind of lay an egg there in the second half. Jared Goff with that bad fumble. We talked about the fourth and one play. So maybe a little unlucky not to cover last night. So they've been competitive, even though one on one ATS 0 and 2 overall for their, their real record. What do you make of their week three here? Because now they go to the Ravens. And I know everybody's going to be on the Ravens after that huge win mm-hmm. against the Chiefs on Sunday night in dramatic fashion. Might this be good value, ironically, for Detroit? Uh, based on how those two games played out and, for those teams this week. And that's where I'm going, and you were saying a lot of people are going to be on them. Not everybody, though, because this was 7.5 on the look-ahead. And then when you looked after the Sunday night win over the Chiefs, it goes to 9. Clearly, mm. Detroit had not played. And what happened to Detroit? They got beat by 18 points. They did not cover the spread. So it's like, okay, the Lions, if you didn't watch the game, they really got their butts kicked they here. Didn't. Not necessarily. And I think there's some smart guys out there that kind of realize that because this was 9 this morning. It's already gone down to eight and a half. We already see some eight in the market. Uh, and I'm basically just kind of scouring the sure. screen here. There are eights pretty much. And there are also still some eight and a halves out there. I think uh, DK still has nine. But I agree with that move back to Detroit. I think this is a little bit of a tough spot for the Ravens. Because now you beat the Chiefs, who absolutely came in and, and whipped your tail up and down the field last year. So that's a big game to get over. And then all of a sudden you got the hapless Lions 0-2 that's going to be a desperate team. I mean, when you're 0-2, it's like, okay, fellas, this should get worse before it gets better. We got to step up and have a good effort here. So I would be more prone to be on the Lions. It's a little bit of a hold your nose here, but Baltimore comes off that win against Kansas City. Then they have Denver for week four, a trip out there to Invesco Field at Mile High. So that Denver team could very well be a 3-0 and team, assuming that they beat the Jets and they're the biggest favorite on the board this week for week three at 11 or 10 and a half, 11 right now. So you could have that be a big game for the Ravens because when people see an undefeated team, it's like, okay, we're going to show them they're not as good as, <laughs> as, as everybody thinks that they are, and they're going to get up for that. So I think that this is a 
a total sandwichy kind of dead spot for Baltimore, I'd be on the Lions. I'm with you there. And again, you can make all the jokes you want about Dan Campbell. And I know a lot of people are doing that. But mm-hmm. they have fought, right? They're biting kneecaps. Yeah. They're doing what they said they would do. They are a spunky they may get beat, team. but they're not going to get punked. Right. If that makes any sense. Yes. I mean, you know, he is going to say, hey, we, we are here and we are going to, you know, be intense and we're going to get this done. So you're going to see fight out of the Lions. I don't think the Lions, they don't seem like a team with that character of somebody that's going to like roll over here. No. And again, they have, they have great coordinators. I think that are widely respected in the NFL. When you look at Aaron Glenn and Anthony Lynn taking over uh, some spots with the offense and defense there. So when you've got guys like that, Again, Dan Campbell is kind of that energy guy to, to give them that momentum and say, all right, guys, we're in this fight together. I really do think they're going to be spunky against the Ravens. I think it's a good spot for the Lions here getting nine. Uh, we'll find out if that is a wise investment with your financial dollar. But I do kind of like the number right now for the Lions. Don't go anywhere. We've got much more to get to, including Wes. Who do you trust after a couple weeks here in the NFL? I don't want to want ATS. Like Steve Austin said, DTA, don't trust anybody. <laughs> We're back right here on the Lombardi line. It is Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vston.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line over-unders and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way vston is here to make you a smarter better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vston.com. Back here on the Lombardi line, Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds as we look at teams, potentially Wes, that we can trust going forward in the NFL. Look, two weeks in the books, going to get a lot of teams one-on-one ATS. There are a couple out there, 2-0 ATS. I'd like to point out one of those Dallas Cowboys so far on the season. And the Texans are 2-0 ATS so far. The Texans obviously involved in our Thursday night game. We're going to get into that a little bit as well. So, Wes, is there a way that you can look at some teams so far, what you've seen through two weeks, and say, yeah, even though they might be one and one, and I didn't cash cash it every time, I like them going forward Mm kind of as a general principle. Yeah, and and I was looking at this list, Dave. I was like, okay, who do you trust? We got all these one-and-one teams. I was like, oh, this is about half the league. It's more than half the league. 18 (laughs) teams of 32 are currently one-and-one on the season. So, you know, just picking out a couple, I think, trustworthy teams. I would say the Buffalo Bills at one-and-one. There you go. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to lay this big number against the Washington football team, Mm. which is eight, eight and a half, even some nines out there, including here at BetMGM. So it's like, I don't know if I trust it that much to lay it, but more on the macro sense for the season, I think you can trust Buffalo. I think they've had two very good defensive games because we know Buffalo on offense was projected to be pretty good, pretty near the top of the league with Brian Dable as the offensive coordinator. Josh Allen got the big extension, seems to be getting better. 
And look, that that spot last week, I know Tua went out of the game, but they were they were DOA, the Dolphins. Nothing at that point. Yeah, they yeah. were DOA even if Tua was able to go to distance. So 35 to nothing, getting a shutout on the road in the division after you lose your home opener. And in an opener where I kind of thought if you go inside the numbers, they really outplayed the Pittsburgh Steelers. Out-yarded them, just a special teams touchdown for the Steelers, couple mistakes. Just kind of a sloppy game for Buffalo, I think, in game one. So I thought, okay, this is going to be just a a bad game. This was more of an aberration. And there you saw what the Buffalo Bills did. So long term, I think this team is very good. I'm still sticking with them. They were my pick out of the AFC to make the Super Bowl. I have no reason, I think, to go back on that after two weeks. Okay, we do not actually discuss our picks before the show. But sometimes great minds think alike because I'm with you on the Buffalo Bills. And you mentioned it. It's the defense, right? Mm -hmm. The defense is going to travel. If they play this style of defense, and again, to your point, they led 10-0 against the Steelers. They pitched a shutout against them in the first half. Then the special teams touched down and things got away in the second half. And then they actually do pitch a shutout uh, in week two, divisional rival on the road in Miami, 35-0. That defense that Sean McDermott has there with the Bills is going to be and keep them in games every single week. So that's why I always think that they're going to be a team that I would consider backing financially. Another team, again, and I know that Ben Roethlisberger has a pectoral issue right now. We're going to have to see how that plays. But it's kind of the concept of trust defensive sound football teams. And the Steelers are a very sound defensive football team. So I like their uh, their, their look going forward, even though they're one-on-one and did not cover this week and obviously lost the game outright to the Raiders. The defense is going to keep them in. So we'll find out about the offense if they can catch up. But right now, I do like them. And then the third team that I really do want to point out, and we've talked about them a lot in the green zone. We're going to talk about them coming up Thursday night. It's the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. Because, again, 2-0 and so far, ATS, 2-0 and uh, in the National Football League. And I think that's a surprise to many. Maybe not to us because we saw this coming this summer. Their defense is – we're going to talk about Sam Darnold and CMC, right? And that's Because offense is what we always talk about. Again, look at defensive, sound defensive football teams. Carolina drafted all defense two years ago. And then what they do with their first pick this year, seventh overall, D.C. Yes. Horn, defense, corner, got a pick on Sunday. That defense that Matt Rule has going there in Carolina, they're going to be a dangerous out each and every week. Now, I know coming up Thursday night, they're laying a big number on the road, seven and a half. And Houston, so far, great ATS, 2-0, and right? But for the first time, no Tyrod Taylor starting this game. So they're going to have a true, in Davis Mills, they're going to have a rookie quarterback going up against that defense. So, Wes, even though the number does scare me on the road, okay, if I were to play this game, the only way I could play it is Carolina or stay away. Yeah, Carolina will be used in a lot of teasers, by yes. the way. That'll get teased down to one and a half now. Do I necessarily want to lay seven and a half? No, because I think sometimes a situation matters for a team. And I'm with you. We're both high on Carolina. That defense was fantastic. Mm-hmm. 128 yards. Everybody's going to say, ah, oh, Jameis turned it over. Same old Jameis. It was all his fault. No, it was the Carolina defense that got it done and, and really dominated the game. But... You get a team that's still a young team that hasn't really built a winning culture yet, that's not used to winning, and you lay a touchdown in the hook on the road. That spot is absolutely not for me. Now, from a macro sense, 
I think that this team is going to be very good, at, or at least good enough to get over their season win total. They might be a year away from like being a playoff team because they still do have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady and Twice. Rob Gronkowski at their advanced age still putting this number. So you still have them in your division. So you don't want to get too far ahead of the pace here with Carolina. But this is a team I do trust at least longer term. And I took one at seven and a half at MGM uh, pre-flop here before the season, obviously for the win total. I also took the adjusted line at eight and a half. And part of that rationale was I thought they were the second best team in their division. I think they proved that at least in one week against New Orleans. I think they're clearly better than the ATL. So potentially you're looking at three more potential wins in division here. If they win this one, do the math here. They're getting close to that seven right away. I, I, I just at plus 550 right now to win the division. Yeah. I cannot believe the Saints. If you watch that game, we're going to have Will Hill coming up here uh, in this later on this hour. Will was watching this game like a hawk for us, the yes. Saints and Panthers. And even though the Pants had a, Panthers had a relatively easy walkaway victory, mm-hmm. it could the spread could have been much yeah, larger. Yeah, we were we were all on Carolina, I think, for that game. I know Will was as 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 I was as well. So uh, we were watching that, and it's like, and Will kept saying, "Okay, this could be like thirty-five to nothing what? right now because this is absolute domination." And you know, the Saints. I thought before the season, everybody thought, "Okay, this team is really bad. Like they're they're garbage." And then they go ahead and beat Green Bay, and it's like, "Well, not so fast." But that doesn't mean that all of a sudden, like, goes uh, you know a total three hundred and sixty degrees, or, or a total one eighty, I should say, where it's like, "Okay, now this team, they're still a 12-13 win team." I don't think so either. I don't think they're a nine an eight team, but they're not like a 12 and five team. So really what you kind of see with the Saints is kind of are what they are. I think in the middle of those two extremes and very quickly, again, you saw there that the under has been a smart play so far with Carolina because of the defense that we've talked about. When you look at Thursday night with a rookie quarterback in Davis Mills coming into this game for Houston, it's a low total. It's right? 43 and a half. Boy. Yeah, that's pretty much what you're seeing. So I, I know it's, it's almost feels like it's too low. So, again, sometimes you had back in the day, the key numbers, what, 37? You always played the over. It feels like in the new age of NFL football, maybe 43 is that number. Wes, is that number too low for you to, to, to back the under, even though Carolina's playing great defense? At first glance, yes, because, uh, you know, there's always that element of surprise. I mean, they do have a half of film, basically, on Davis Mills, yes. so they can see a little bit what they do. But, you know, this is your first start that you're making here. So, I don't know. I it's tough to go under. That would be the play. I think logically that would be the play, but I think that number is just about right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And again, I thought an early indicator, if you're wagering against Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, rookie head coach with a rookie quarterback, it's paid dividends for you so far. Mm-hmm. This is the, the reason why I liked David Culley and company week one against Jacksonville was because they had Tyrod Taylor. Sure. They had a veteran quarterback in there. And Tyrod, again, cashed for you as a starter when they were in that game with the Cleveland Browns. Now is where I go, ooh, I'm going to get a little bit nervous now. We saw David Culley literally give away possession. You just can't do that in the NFL. And now you got a rookie quarterback going in there against Matt Rule's defense. I'm with you. It feels like too many on the road, seven and a half, but that's a dangerous spot because I just don't know what I'm going to get out of the Texans here. And I kind of felt like I knew what I was going to get in weeks one and two, and that's professional quarterback play. I don't know if I can count on that in week three. Yeah, and that's why this is going to end up being a pass for me on Thursday night. Uh, One more team, though, before we hit the break here that I'm kind of like who you don't trust, that'd be the Tennessee Titans. Oh, 
And they gave up, I believe, over 400 yards in week one. They also gave up 397 to Seattle. They gave up like 6.4 yards per play against Arizona. It was 7.6 against Seattle. But then when you look at the numbers, Tennessee gave him 532 because Derrick Henry just ran rough shot over Seattle. So that gives me concerns about Seattle. But this Tennessee defense, I think, is a work in progress. I think it's a downgrade and offensive coordinator from Arthur Smith to Todd Downing. Now you see him this week laying five and a half to the Colts. And that's mainly because we've got two bad ankles now for Carson Wentz so are we going to go with another not quite a rookie but essentially a rookie and Jacob Eason on yep. the road so that's a wait and see so maybe I wouldn't be fading Tennessee this week necessarily but I think down the road I've got some real concerns about that team still a little bit bitter that Seattle didn't win that game I, I just okay sore it. subject I mean, I'm I sorry just, I was cashing two tickets if Seattle <laughs> just wins just win baby didn't have to cover <laughs> and somehow they gave up that fourth quarter 52 and 0 when Seattle led by 14 or more in, in the second half. Now it's 52-1. and one. Guess who was on the wrong side? Come on back right here. Will Hill is going to join us next right here on the Lombardi Line. It is VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith 
When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It's time for football, and all the action you need is at BetMGM. Sign up now using the bonus code VSIN1000, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Place your bets on the all-pro and the college football games, all you can handle, along with your favorite sports throughout the year. And when you register with BetMGM, you'll get all the instant access to a variety of parlay selections features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. From first possession touchdowns to last-second field goals, the king of sportsbooks takes you every play to a New level of excitement. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter the bonus code Venus, excuse me, VEASAN1000 to get back up to $1,000 on your very first wager. New customer offer, paid and free bets. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds here on the Lombardi Line. It is a pleasure to welcome Back in Will Hill, of course, he is a VEASAN contributor, and you can follow him on Not The Will Hill. He is a fun follow on Twitter. Well, we've been talking about this all all morning long here, Wes and I, about Aaron Rodgers, and it kind of looked like the monkey's off his back. He says, now the, the trolls won't bother me for a week. What were your impressions of Green Bay last night? Is it safe to say that the pack is, in fact, back? Well, first of all, I just had a quick lunch. How many times did you punt in the last half hour, Dave? How many field goals did you did it? Were there any Pop Warner teams that went for it on fourth down that you objected to? I mean, well, um, we got to take points, but we can get points sometimes. I know I'm the old guy in the room, room on that rationale, but sometimes I just think coaches outsmart themselves, and I thought Campbell potentially did that on that fourth and one. And again, Wes and I agree. If you're going to go for it, you got to have a better play call than that. Yeah, well, me, me, Wes, and I need to sit you down and just have a chat with you. You're, you're, you're like the kid in, you're like the kid in college who doesn't party. We need to take you out for a night, get you drunk, and just kind of corrupt you a little bit and show you what it's all about. Um, look, I, I think the best thing going for Green Bay, I think they got an elite quarterback um, in that division. I mean, the Vikings have really stubbed their toe two times, two games they should have won, could have won, and they're zero and two. Detroit's obviously not a threat to win that division. Uh, Chicago with Fields, that's a transition. You know, transition year, obviously, they're not good on defense. They're not good on the offensive line. So, you know, even if it's a down year for Green Bay, even if you win 10, 11 games, I mean, who's really going to jump up and steal that division from you? Maybe Minnesota if they get their act together. But again, 0-2 is, is a little bit of a hole here. 
Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Minnesota, and that's kind of one, and we'll get to the NFL discussion later. A very interesting game with Seattle. But, well, let's start on the college side here. Haven't gotten into college football as much yet on this program, and this is a game I'm kind of leaning to, and you're already on it, and it is the Battle in Jerry World mm. down in Arlington, Texas, a neutral site game. Sam Pittman, not happy about this being in Jerry World. He obviously wanted a home-and-home home in Fayetteville and College Station for this rivalry, but Razorbacks in the Aggies here and look the Razorbacks have I think been better than people thought I was on them two weeks ago against Texas uh, thought maybe they would stumble in a in a letdown spot last week they certainly didn't but they're getting five and a half at the against the Aggies yeah I'm really surprised by this line I think this one maybe close three and a half four I just think this is way too many points we saw Arkansas did the Texas. They ran all over them, 330 plus yards rushing, outgained them by like 200 yards. And AM has not been impressive. I mean, they beat Colorado 10 to 7. What's Colorado do? They turn around, they lose 30 nothing at home to Minnesota. Uh, AM's got issues at quarterback. I think Arkansas, like you said, going in the right direction with Pittman. I think this is a down of the wire game. I would not be sh- shocked if, if Arkansas wins this game outright. I really like Arkansas getting the five now. It, you know, it's five and a half this morning. I think it opened. Um, like six, six and a half. So you're not getting the best of the number here, but I, I still think you're getting a good number here. Um, I think this line's going to keep moving towards Arkansas. I really like Arkansas in this game. Yeah, Dave, was- speaking of A&M, too, mm-hmm. by the way, because we were doing the Betting Across America show on Saturday during the early college football windows, and I rarely lay a big favorite like that in college football, but I absolutely laid it with A&M. I thought, okay, bad performance against Colorado. They're going to name the score against New Mexico, and they dominated they the did. game, but it was a sweat to get there, though. <laughs> it was 34 nothing. I'm like, you know, one touchdown and putting the third and fourth teamers in the man managers in at the end of the game they're going to give up a score to this team so that was a little bit of a sweat so you do have an A&M team despite being ranked number five have not looked like the number five team in the country I'm with you guys again the backup quarterback there and and to your point Wes even though they did cover they barely did and the offense still didn't look like it was humming on all cylinders speaking of offense or lack thereof well when you look at Wisconsin and Notre Dame here uh, 47 the posted total here but you kind of like the the under in this but you think it's going to be kind of a, a rock fight here I do. I mean, look, it's Wisconsin. It's always a rock fight with them. I don't think Mertz is really the answer at quarterback. He, they've struggled to get explosive plays. Uh, we know their MO. They're going to run the ball. They're going to, you know, four yards in a cloud of dust. On the other side of the ball, I just think they will overpower Notre Dame up front. I think their front seven will really disrupt what Notre Dame does on offense. So, you know, I could see uh, you know, 24-20, 24-17 type of game. I would probably lean towards taking Notre Dame in what I think will be a close uh, close to the vast, low-scoring game. I like the under here. I think this should be uh, this number should come down too. I just don't don't see these teams, you know, really breaking off chunk plays in this one. There are two unbeaten teams that I think we are going to find out, okay, how legitimate they are. The first being Notre Dame this weekend. Both of these teams, by the way, play Wisconsin. Notre Dame and then Michigan the first weekend in October is going to play Wisconsin, and I agree with Will's assessment. Graham Mertz has not shown to me that he has taken that next step of what they thought he was going to be because he was very well hyped. He was like, okay, best yeah. quarterback recruit we have ever had out of high school in the history of the program, and he had that great game against Against Illinois and then got COVID and then the rest of the season was kind of a wash but the first game against Penn State not that great so I think Will probably is on the right track here Notre Dame did look a little better on defense new defense with Marcus Freeman coming in from Cincinnati as the defensive coordinator of 3-4 look a lot more blitzing but looked better against a solid Purdue offense last and week. their first cover against Purdue last week as well so Will, I'm kind of with you there on the Notre Dame side as well is this a spot you think Notre Dame could possibly money line and win this game outright 
right? Or do you think it's maybe just be safe, take the points of what you're seeing so far? I'd probably be safe and take the points. You know, I'm not opposed to this as a teaser leg, too. If you like something else to tease it with, I just think this will be a close-to-the-vest game. I don't see either team pulling away. So I think those six points are ultra-valuable valuable on a game like this. All right, let's talk a little bit about Western Michigan taking on San Jose State here. We saw some significant line movement on this one, Will. Uh, you're back in Western Michigan here. Why do you think that's the right side to be on? Yeah, I just grabbed them on a money line because I think the line is really going to move to their favor. I grabbed it at 140 on a money line. I think we're up to 150 now. Um, I could see this closing three and a half, maybe four, just because the spot for San Jose State is so dreadful. They played 1230 Eastern time at Hawaii National TV FS1 the other night. That game got over 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning <laughs> mm-hmm. Eastern time. They fly back home to San Jose State, and then they fly to Western Michigan for a Saturday 2 Eastern kickoff. If you've ever been to Hawaii, you know, I mean, that messes with your body. It takes a week, 10 days to just get back on track. You're waking up in the middle of the night. Your body clock's all off. Throwing back to the Pacific time zone now, the Eastern time zone. I mean, you're going to be all over the place in this one. I guess it would be the Central time zone in Western Michigan. I just think this is a brutal spot for San Jose State. So I like Western Michigan here. And this is not the easiest spot for Western Michigan. I'm with Will's assessment on San Jose State. I would certainly lean with the Broncos here. But Western Michigan, and that's what happens when you get like a disparate result in week one because they got absolutely housed by Michigan. Mm -hmm. And the market came in on Western Michigan. This is supposed to be one of the better teams in the MAC, and I still think that they are. They go to Pitt, who had just beaten Tennessee, and they put up 517 yards on Pat Narduzzi's defense. Say what you want about Narduzzi. He's always been a better defensive coach, and he's always had very solid defenses. 517 and 44 points for Western Michigan at Heinz Field against Pittsburgh. So I would be leaning to the WMU side as it well. It just felt like a humble brag from Will, though, because I've never been to Hawaii. Right. Didn't, didn't just, just, I got that mm-hmm. sense that, you know, Will's been there and I haven't. Will, you have a baseball play today with Blue Jays against the Rays here. Why are you on the side of Toronto? I like Manoa. I think there's more at stake for Toronto. Uh, Manoa, his last time out was actually against the Rays. Best outing of his career. He is a dynamic young pitcher. Rays, uh, you know, are using a lot of different guys to piece together their rotation right now. A lot of bullpen games. They're, they're For a team that's going to win 95-plus games, they really have a lot of uncertainty of pitching. You know, it's funny. They called up, I think Shane Baz is the, the name of the pitcher that pitched last night. Uh, big-time prospect. He might be their best pitcher, and he just made his major league debut last night. I just think I like the lineup for the Blue Jays. Um, you know, Franco's still out for, for the Rays. This game means everything to Toronto, so... I like the number here with Toronto. Toronto's an interesting team in in terms of future play, too, because, man, if they get in the playoffs with that lineup and you line up Barrios, Robbie Ray, who's probably going to win the Cy Young with Cole's performance the other day to go with Manoa, Ryu, with this lineup, nobody, I mean, I know it's a cliche, but nobody wants to play the Blue Jays. So I like them tonight, and they're they're, uh, worth a play for me, or at least a look here on some futures futures markets. Will, speaking of futures markets, and got about 45 seconds here, what do you think is going to change here in these standings with about, you know, 12? to 15 games left to go like you look at Philadelphia who we have in the NL East three back of the Braves but all of a sudden you got an easy schedule for the Phillies they do but I mean Sunday night they were in great shape they had cut it to one in the lost column they were up two nothing Sunday night in like the sixth inning they blew that game to the Mets they lost last night to the Orioles they got shut out I think it was the first time a hundred lost team threw a shutout in like a hundred years of the history of baseball something crazy Philly might have missed their opportunity because they're now four back in the lost column so they might have missed their window here but I, I do like the Jays here going forward I've got an idea how about me Wes and Will go to Hawaii and you guys there can get me drunk and get me to stop kicking field goals. <laughs> Will, all sorts it's, of field goals. It's always great to have you at Not The Will Hill. Thanks for the time. We are back right here. It is Visa and the Sports Betting Network.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.